Good morning, brothers and sisters, and welcome at our virtual church. I hope you enjoyed the song that we sang for you, and uh, I must say I did miss the fellowship this morning in worship to hear your beautiful voices. This is reality now, and who would have thought that a week ago we spoke about this, and now it happens. But there's a lot of opportunities that we can uh, utilize the web for, and this is one of those. Um, you will see during the video there's going to be information coming up at the bottom. I've got an email address and please I want you to send feedback on the email address uh, to me about sound, how you find this, where we can improve. Uh, as this is our first one it will be a test, it will be a little bit of uh, hit and miss but praise the Lord we are here for the Word of God. Now before I get into the Word a few people ask me why I decided so early to make this move and the fact of the matter is that brothers and sisters that we do have in our church people in that age bracket which is dangerous for this virus we've heard it all over the news we've heard it all over the world that that is a dangerous age bracket I'm, I'm coming closer to that age bracket as well but we also have young children school children also coming to church and they the schools are still not closed and one never knows if there's a virus that can enter into our church that way and then also i myself are still working in um in the secular world and i'm still um, meeting with other people i still share a lift you know um, going up and down in a building i still share places where we walk into a food court and i do not want to uh, put any of our people in our church at risk. So I've made this decision. I know the government says um, 100 people and less. That's still okay. But for me, what I've seen, what's happening over the world with this particular virus, I don't want to take the chances. So uh, please, may the Lord be with you and uh, keep on praying for us as well. Um, I also do want to say to you, brother and sister, we are living in a in a time of fear. I can see it wherever I go, into the supermarkets, wherever I go, people are fearful and they're anxious. And I want to encourage you before we get into the book of Mark, just with a few scriptures of encouragement around fear that the Lord has given us in his wonderful word. Now, the first scripture is Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. And I want you to listen to the scripture and uh, in fact, you will see it appear on the bottom of this video. But take the time to mark it in your Bible and to go back to it. And when you pray, and please pray, keep on praying. When you pray, I want you to recite the scripture verse back to God. You know, read the verse back to God. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. This is what the Lord says. He spoke through the prophet to the people. He says to them, Fear not, for I am with you. Now, Israel was in, in really difficult times. They were in fearful times when the prophet came and he gave that word to them. And we're in the same. We're in the same situation. And, and we've heard it last week when I said it in the sermon that fear paralyzes faith. Fear paralyzes it. Um, it makes you procrastinate. It, it, there's a lot of things associated with fear. And here he says, fear not, it is as direct as God can be through his prophet. He says, for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I like it when God is so direct and specific. And this is the reason why. It will build your faith. When you pray to God and you and you go back to God, you say, Lord, I thank you that you told us through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 41.10, that we should not fear. And Lord, help us not to fear. And then he says, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. There is quickly counting four words. The word will is four times in that verse. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous hand. So that's the first verse. And, and, and just pray it back to God. The second verse I want to share with you is the one that Paul write to the church in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he says to them, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. And anxiousness is the next step to fear. If you're anxious, the next step is fear. Now Paul writes to this church and he says, Do not be anxious. And believe me, I walk in the supermarkets. I was there again yesterday and, uh, and I see a lot of anxious people. I see people when I come to the food aisles, the meat aisles, and they empty. And there's nothing that they become anxious. And there I say toilet paper as well. I see people just hanging around that aisle with anxiousness on their faces. And here Paul writes back in the day to the church in Karam Down. Yes, that's right, to the Philippians and to us. He says, be anxious for nothing, about nothing. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He is he's telling these people to pray. And if there's a time to pray, it's now. But when you pray, he says, don't go before the Lord and, and just complain to him about all of your problems. Yes, mention it to him. Say, Lord, I'm struggling through this difficult time. But he says, in fact, to them, when you come and you give your request to God, do it with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Now, I know it goes against the brain to say thank you in a time of difficulty. But he says it here with thanksgiving, let your, your, your request be known to God. So if you do that, Paul says to them, if you do that, what's going to happen? And I want to I wanna implore you. I want to. I want to test. I want to ask you to go and do this. Go on your knees after the sermon. You know, go on your knees and pray to God and say, "Lord, I thank you for my circumstances." And forget about the coronavirus. I'm talking about people who's been listen to me, who's been for so long in their lives carrying with them anxiousness. Maybe it's about something that happened in the past, or maybe about something that they worried about the future, but. They're so anxious. Why don't you do this and go and say, Lord, thank you for my circumstances. See what happens. Paul says it. He says it right here. He says, present your request to God. So what will happen if you do this? The next part of that verse, he says, and the peace of God, not of this world, not what the premier can give you or the prime minister can give you. The peace of God. Brother and sister, 
you and I want the peace of God. Believe you me. You can fill your food cupboard with so much food as you can. You can have stacks of toilet paper if you want to. But the peace of God, that's what the world wants. And here he says, And the peace of God which, now listen to this, surpasses all understanding. There's a version that says it transcends all understanding. In That's in here. He says it surpasses all understanding. We'll do two things now. One, it will guard your heart. It needs guarding. Why? Because it can become hardened. It can fear. And this is why it needs protection. And what's going to give it protection? Sees it right there. With thanksgiving, in every situation, present your request to God. The peace of God will come over you and what will happen? It will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. If, look, we're going to look into the book of Mark now, but if it's one thing you take away this morning, today, the 22nd of March, do this. Pray to God. Trust in Him. Put all your trust in Him. And then, you know, when you come to Him with thanksgiving, praise Him for He's in control of all. I think of these disciples who was on that boat, in that little boat, that fisherman's boat, on, on the sea and the storm where, where the, the Bible says the waves were going into the boat and they feared because they thought they were going to die and Jesus was lying there on a pillow and sleeping in the midst of a storm he's so calm and he stood up and they said to him first don't you don't you worry about us don't you worry about that we're perishing of course he does but he was testing their faith. Remember, the lesson last week was the test of their faith and drawing closer to Jesus. Test of faith drawing closer to Jesus. And let it be known that this current situation will test your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. Others who don't know him, it will harden their hearts and drive them further away. My prayer is that during this time they will draw closer to him. But it is amazing when I think about this, that when Jesus rebuked the wind and he calmed the water, have you ever thought about that these disciples now had to, had to take the row and start rowing over to the other side? And when they come over to the other side, this is the passage I want to discuss with you this morning is in, as we continue through the book of Mark. When they came to the other side, they found a man who is demon-possessed. And now we're going to see, as we study here, the three forces that was around that. First of all, the work of Satan on this man. And then we're going to look at the influence of society and also the authority of Jesus. So let's continue studying through the book, uh, the, the gospel according to Mark. Now, while we do this, we always remember why Mark writes this, and that is to show us who Jesus is. And, and what we've learned already last week is that Jesus has got authority and he's got power. Authority and power. 
And we saw that he's got authority and power over nature. Today we're going to see that he's got authority and power over spirits, which we call demons. And, and let me say, this should not be taken lightly. But then also, also I've, been, I've come across so many people who, who swing the pendulum too far and they see demons in everything. Well, we're going to get a clear directive this morning. So let us uh, continue in our study in the book of Mark. First of all, let's open up in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It says there, Then they came to the other side of the sea. And remember, by now I, I think these disciples had to row over to the other side. There was no wind to blow in their sails. And they came to the country of the Gidenaris, the Gadarenes. Sorry, I've said that word. And um, we've got to ask ourselves the question, who is the Gadarenes? They were the inhabitants of Gadara. And this is on the eastern side of the Jordan. You say, why is this important or why do you bring that up? There's a lesson we can learn out of this. Because if you go back to Numbers chapter 32, from verse 1 to 5, you find that when the nation came out of the wilderness... And just before they went into the promised land, there were two tribes, two tribes who said, no, they didn't want to go into the promised land. They wanted to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan. And those people were the, the Gadarenes. It was these people. Back in Numbers chapter 32, they were called Gad. So two nations, Reuben and Gad, didn't want to go over. And the reason they didn't want to go over is because they had a lot of cattle and livestock. And they, they came together, these two tribes, and they looked around him. They've defeated the enemy, these enemies at that point. And they said they didn't want to go over. They wanted to stay here with their cattle. Now, think about this. When we're going to read on, we're going to see that these people are not in cattle anymore, but they are now in pigs. They now in pigs. He says, so what? Well, here is the thing. When they had cattle and livestock, it was good. But the pigs for Jews were an unclean animal. And now they're operating in unclean animals. And the lesson we read out of this is that when you start to move away from God, away from His promises, away from His protection, that you keep on going further and further away. There is no stop. You keep on going away from Him. And here we find a people who had all the promises of God, but they did not go over the Jordan. They didn't go into the promised land of God. And brother and sister, there is a lot of people today who still hasn't gone into the promised land of God. You say, but can we go in? Is that when we die that we go to heaven? No. We can today go into that promised land. And the Jordan is, my, bro my brother and sister, is, is the cross. Is We need to come to the cross and bow at the cross and go into the promised land of God. Yes, we are still living in this world, but we're living in these promises. These people didn't do that. Now let's read on as we're going to see the first work of Satan. In Mark chapter 5, verse 2, 
He says, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately, there is our man Mark's word again, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling amongst the tombs, the graves, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. This was a wild man, a wild, wild man. He broke chains apart, he broke shackles apart. That's immense power to, to be able to take iron chains and break them apart. And in verse 5 it says, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, up and down, restless, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So this is where we see the work of Satan. The, the, the end result for this man. We are not told how this man got these spirits inside of him. We're not told. And there's so many dangerous things that's happening in the world right now. And I, I hear that even Christians partake in some of this stuff. But if you're going to look for trouble, you're going to get trouble. And I hear sometimes of Christians going to fortune tellers. Or I hear, you know, Christians playing a little bit with occulty games or all of these kind of stuff. Well, that's looking for trouble. But a more dangerous side to this man is that he opened up himself for the works of Satan through sin. Let it be known that sin invite, invite these activities in your life. And it will eventually destroy you. This is a classic example thereof. This man wasn't born this way. Yes, he was born with a fallen nature. And let me just say, because there is people out there who say that every man who is born is born with a demon. That's not true. I find no scripture verse of that. Yes, we are born in the nature of Adam, which is a sinful, fallen nature. But it doesn't automatically say that you've got a demon. It doesn't say that. But this is what I can find, is that if you continue down that line and you open up, that these kind of things can happen. Let me give you an example. Judas Iscariot. Remember this man was with Jesus all the time. He preached the word. He was sent out. He laid his hand on people and they got healed. But I only read that when he was sitting with Jesus that last night, that when his hand went in with Jesus, that Satan entered him. It's interesting to think about that. It doesn't say about this man, where, how he got these spirits, but it says that he had the spirit inside of him. He was not born with them. Um, and we see here the end result of the work of Satan on human beings. Well, I should say nearly the end result, because we know what the end result is, and that is eventually to end up in the lake of fire. My brother Glenn sings about this. He loves to talk about this, not because he loves it. It's just because he wants to warn people not to end up there. We know you and I, the Bible teaches us that Satan's final destination uh, is the lake of fire. And that, that is where he wants people to go. He doesn't want to go there alone. And, um, but we see how he destroys people's lives. And Jesus warned about this. In John 
chapter 10 verse 10 he says the thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to destroy that's what the thief does he says but i've come jesus have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly so jesus gives satan takes away and we see in this poor man that a lot has been taken away from him the result of this man that's been taken away he's lost everything everything um he he lost his home and, and in fact let me just say there's a there's a, another passage that also talks about this in luke and in matthew and it says there were two men but i'm just concentrating on mark here so most probably there were two men but this one was more vocal than the other man but let's just focus on this one man he says you know he's lost everything he lost his house He's lost his family, fellowship with his family and his friends. He was living out in the tombs. He lost his decency. He was running naked around the tombs. People would see him and say, there's that mad man. Stay out of his way. He lost his total self-control. He was like a wild animal, you know, breaking chains and screaming and cutting himself and, um, and frightening all the citizens. He lost his peace, you can say, and also his purpose for living, constantly cutting himself. And this is the end result of what Satan wants to do. He wants to, dis to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. And he will use all of his vials to try to do that. And we should not underestimate him, nor his vials. I read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. To do what? Seek in whom he may devour. And now, now Peter writes there, he says, Resist him. Resist him. Don't fight him. Peter didn't say fight him. He says resist him. Um, steadfast in the faith. Say, so how do you resist him? steadfast in the faith you stand in faith how do you resist him in faith this is what peter says knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world so let's just look at this man he's running around in the tombs he he most probably had a life um but somehow these demons entered into his life and destroyed his life and and let it be known look look at the power he had he he could break those chains i read in the book of acts about the seven sons of shiva who came amongst a, a man who was demon possessed and and they wanted to drive out the man and one man took on seven seven and they came away with their lives you don't play with this stuff you you do not play with this stuff but we'll see how jesus addresses this so let, let me just say, if I say we don't play with it, we're not fearful. By far not. Because I've got some great scriptures for you coming up. So um, let's look secondly at the society. Remember there's three forces I'm addressing here. The one is the work of Satan. We, we can see how devastating it is. How devastating. And it's absolutely devastating. And I've seen this. I've seen how, how people's lives are destroyed in my lifetime through the works of satan um, but now we see also the influence of society look at this in verse 3 he says who are dwelling amongst the tombs what's this man living amongst the tombs what did society try to do for this man 
And no one could bind him, so they tried to bind him. Okay? And society is still trying to do that. Um, and they bound him with chains, they shackled him, they tried to contain him, and then he breaks out. And now, eventually, what did they do? They isolated him. They chased him out of the city. And now he lives out there amongst the tombs, that madman. Now, what do we learn from the influence of society? That society could not help this man. Society is great, and we see a lot of people now in society helping each other. But the absolute help comes from the Lord. And we'll see that next for this man. So we're going to look now at the, the authority of Jesus. And, and that is a wonderful brother and sister. He is absolute authoritative, Jesus Christ. It says there, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man and the spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. We are many. So we learn a few lessons here. Not only was there one demon in this man, but there were more. And I, I can think of a few cases now in the secular world where people were talking about people who had schizophrenia and so many different characters comes out. This was this type of scenario. We see a split personality here. Sometimes the man is speaking, sometimes somebody else is speaking. Um, now, look what he says. I say, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, what would this dimension be? What if, if this spirit is crying out, don't torment me. We know in, in the book of Luke, he says, do not chase us into the abyss. What's in the abyss? In the abyss, there's nothing. So the torment for this particular spirit would be not to have a host, not to have a human that he can host in. So God, don't chase us out. This is a big part of that. He says, uh, we don't want to get out of the human bodies. You see, this it's the same as someone who wants a gun or, or a knife to do harm to somebody else. These spirits... They want human bodies to do harm to other people, to, to show a, a absolute destruction. And this is why they had to chase this man out of the city. So uh, we see what they say. Look at verse 10. He says, Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now in Luke chapter 8 verse 31, the, the comparative uh, verse there, it says, And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Uh, Mark says the country... And Luke says into the abyss. Out of the country means there's nobody there. So that's what it is. Um, in verse 11 he says, Now a large herd of swine was feeding nearby the mountains. So all the demons, now look at this now. All the demons all of a sudden is fearful. Um, they begged him. They said, Three, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. Remember, when we started to talk about the Gadarenes, they had cattle. Here we talk about them now about swine. 
And we're going to see later on how protective they were about these swine. But just another scripture verse that jumped into my mind. In, in the book of James chapter 2, he says that the demons also knows God and they fear him. And here we see that. We see that they know who he is. They say, you are Jesus, the son of the most high God, and they feared him. How is it then that people don't fear God? I don't get it. I don't get how people can read this and they don't fear God. Not for what he can do to you, but brother and sister, it's a different fear. But I'm talking about the world. They don't fear him. They don't know him. We see here now, and, and look, the liberals have got a field day with this particular verse. They say, why would Jesus do this to animals? Why would he? Well, my answer would be, well, he didn't. They chose. These spirits chose, and he just gave you, it says, here, go. And um, secondly, their time, the demons' time of destruction didn't come yet. Think about that. When did it come? It came at the cross. It came at the cross when they destruction. Now, now, listen to me carefully. I'm not saying that they're not around anymore. They are. They are around. And we should not underestimate that. But as a child of God, as a Christian of God, listen to the following verse. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Colossians 2, 13. You'll see it at the bottom of the screen. He says, and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. He's talking about you and me. He says, you who have been dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He says, you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Get this now. Having forgiven all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwritten writing of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He's talking about the Christian now, the child of God. Remember what I've said? Their time of destruction came at the cross. They should not have any more power over the child of God. Why? Let's read on. He says in Colossians 2 verse Verse 14, he says, And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now listen to verse 15. You'll see it on, on the screen there. Listen to it. as Read it as I, as I say it. Having disarmed principalities and powers. Having disarmed principalities and powers. This verse, I, I honestly don't know. What these people who are going around and mapping territories and taking on demons and fighting and all. I absolutely don't know what they do with, the, with this verse. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In it. You say then, uh, preacher, how do we then... Uh, how do we combat all of these demon spirits and Satan and everything? This is how. Resist them. Through faith. Stand. That's what you do. And he will flee from you. This is what Paul says. Pray is a good weapon. 
the word of God's good weapon, but it's all protective weapons. Stand in your faith. They are disarmed. Um, and we see this is what's happening here. When Jesus spoke, they were so terrified. Wanted to go into pigs. Pigs run over the over the edge into the water and all of the pigs died. Now look at verse, uh, verse 14, Mark 5, 14. So those who fed the swine fled and they told in the city in the country and went out to the sea. What has happened? Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed. One would think they would be happy. One would think they would be rejoicing. One would think this man's family would be amongst them. And maybe his friends. And be so happy. But no. See what happens. He says, Then they came to Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed, had the legion sitting and clothed at his right, in, in his right mind. In his right mind. And they were afraid. They were fearful. Why? Because they tried everything they could. It didn't work. They chained him. They shackled him. Broke everything out. Chased him out of the city. Jesus comes around and what did he do? Oh man, he showed compassion. He showed compassion on this man. And oh, the compassion of Christ is so wonderful. Look at this now. He says, he's sitting there clothed. And in verse 16, those who saw, uh, verse 16, those who saw he told them how it happened uh, to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead him to depart from their region. I don't get it, but I understand. I understand because they had hardened hearts. Go away. See what you've done with our pigs, our livestock, our lives. Go away. Second time now this nation is chasing God away. First time they were standing in front of the Jordan with the promises of God on the other side. And they said, we'll stay on the eastern side. It looks better here than what you want to show us God. And a lot of people are doing that still. And here they say to the Son of God who came to their region, who healed one of their own, put him back in his rightful mind. They say to him in verse 6, 17, they plead to him to depart the region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him, begged him that he might be with him. Now look at this, two things. They pleaded for him to go. This man begged him to stay with him. That's the same thing that plays off. That's the same thing. You go into your work situation, people plead you, you know, they, they plead for you to stop talking about Jesus or go. Go away. We don't want to see you anymore. But others, they will beg to play with it, to be with him. He begged him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what a great things the Lord has done for you. What great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. Oh, there's a beautiful song. He had compassion on me. How wonderful. For the master to have compassion on a man 
The biggest miracle of all is when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of a man. And he had compassion. That gets me. He had compassion on this man. Everybody was chasing him away, chaining him, putting everything and bounding. They've got all of their ideas of, of, of having this man and healing him. But, but oh, when the master comes around, when he comes around into your life, he will have compassion on you. He's got the love from above. I love it. He says he had compassion on him. In Mark chapter 5 verse 20, And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. All were so, so grateful and marveled, you know, what Jesus had done. He couldn't keep his mouth shut because he experienced the compassion of, of the Master. He told everybody. He went around in the car and they marveled. They said, whoa, look at this man. This is him. Is that the same man? And that happens when the Lord saves souls. When people see you, they go, is that the same man that we think it was? No, because he had compassion. I, I want to bring you back to quickly to three, and then we'll finish three. Three questions that was raised. The first question from the demons was, we beg you, we beg you, put us into the swine. Jesus did that. And then the people said, we plead you, go away. We don't want you. And he went away. He's not going to force himself on people. He went away. If you don't want him, he's going to go. This last man came and he begged to be with Jesus. And Jesus didn't, he didn't give that to him. Why? Because brothers and sisters, he didn't want to build up a following, a small posse around him. He, that man did more, more going away from Jesus and telling people in Decapolis. And they all marveled. They all marveled. And here we are. We're not together today. We're all scattered around in your own homes and I'm speaking into your house. But there's good in that. There's good in that. I want you to see that. I want you to see that everything that happens on the earth has got a purpose and a plan and God is in control. So, let's finish off this morning. So, Satan tried to destroy this man, but Jesus came to deliver him. And so, Satan wants to destroy your life, but Jesus comes to deliver you. You see all of these forces, the Satan's work, and you see society and everything, they ain't got any authority. They might have power to do things, but they ain't got the authority and the power. We serve Jesus Christ who is authoritative and is powerful. He showed us in nations and now He showed us in the principalities. We're going to look next week at the next miracle He did. Diseases. And now we're sitting with the coronavirus. Now I'm not going to go around and try to play God and try to, you know, demand stuff and everything. I'm going to trust God. And now this is how I'm going to trust Him, that He has got authority even over diseases and death. So here Satan came, he tried to destroy this man, but Jesus came and He delivered him by the power of His Word. He cast out these demons and He set this man free. I hope that the Lord spoke to you this morning. 
We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we have hope and faith in Jesus Christ. I implore you to hold on to Him. Do not let these circumstances and what people say draw you away from Him. Come closer to Him. I'm looking forward for when we're going to have fellowship together again. But for now, remember this, the Holy Spirit is not bound by boundaries. He can speak right through this camera to you, where you're sitting in your house. And my prayer is this, that His love will just encompass you and give you the peace that will surpass all understanding. And know this morning that if, if Jesus could calm a storm, and if He could drive demon spirits out, which people couldn't even do, and you serve Him, and He's your Master, and He's your King, that you can have trust in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning so, so much for Your love and for Your compassion, for Your loving kindness, Lord. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Although I can't see them, I look into a camera, I can feel their hearts, Lord. And I pray Your compassion just go with them. Father, we worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to quickly say a few words before I end this, uh, the, this transmission or this broadcasting. You will find my email address down at the bottom. Please give me feedback. Send an email. I will respond to that. This opens up a lot of opportunities. And one of those is that, you know, I can use this medium now to, in a way, do a Bible study. So if you've got any ideas, I would like to hear from you. Uh, one idea that I did have is if you want to send me a question, we can maybe on a Wednesday or, you know, during the week, I can do another live transmission and answer those questions. Now, please, I know there's a lot of difficult questions in the Bible. So what I will do is once the questions comes in, I'll take two questions, answer them, like this go to the word um, it gives a lot more opportunity plus if they do lock us down i will have a lot of time to do that so may the lord bless you please keep contact through the email amen